Act Three of Mrs. Pretty and the Premier by Arthur Adams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three Scene The same as in Act One. The time is midnight, a few days later. The House of Parliament is in session. William Power is seen at his table, busily working, clearing out pigeonholes and drawers, filing and destroying documents. His manner is grave and preoccupied. Vice, shown in by Gregory, enters. Well? It's all up, Bill. We're still one vote short. Just the one vote we need to make it a tie, and enable us to carry on till our absentee members can get back. Wouldn't Thompson rat? I thought we could nobble him, but... Wasn't our price high enough? Nothing we could offer would be high enough. He can't be bribed for his vote. He's been bribed already. Harrington has offered him a place in his cabinet. I might have thought of that. It's just what I would have done myself, when so much depended on one vote. The rotten luck of it all. Here we've got a working majority, an actual working majority, and Whittaker gets suddenly ill and McCallum's in New Zealand, and Harrington won't allow him a pair, and we get our man in at Wyanora by-election. And the writs not return, and he can't take his seat till Wednesday. And down on us swoops Harrington with a censure motion. Of course it's a snap division, but it's a censure motion, and the governor must send for Harrington. Then he forms a ministry, and goes straight to the country as premier. And you know what that means. It's the dead finish, Bill. Oh, we'll get our innings again some day. But to be snuffed out like this, after all I did, my sacrifice was useless. Your sacrifice? Oh, I see. You mean your marriage with Mrs. Pretty? All that bother, and all useless. You're the first husband I've met who regarded his honeymoon as a sacrifice. My honeymoon? There hasn't been a honeymoon. No honeymoon? No marriage. But you told me you married her. Legally, yes. But immediately after the ceremony, I got wind of Harrington's motion of censure, and I made it straight down here. But Mrs. Power? Mrs. Power? Oh, you mean the lady I married. I left her at Wyanora. As a married man, Bill, I think you made a mistake. Women don't easily forgive a thing like that. Oh, I can't consider her feelings in a crisis like this. And after the division tonight, I'll have plenty of time for this honeymoon foolery. You'll be a free man tomorrow. No, I mean today. It's a quarter to one. Go back to Wynora first thing and make it up. But I can't understand Harrington making this compulsory resumption of empty estates, Bill, the ground of his censure motion. Why not? It's the only subject on which his party is unanimous. I grant you, it was good political tactics on Harrington's part. But surely, you forget that Mrs. Pretty's estate, I mean, your wife's estate, is the first area to be resumed under your bill. Well, because I married her, is that any reason why I should go back on my policy? I see. She'll let you have your way. I haven't discussed it with her. You haven't spoken to her about it? The subject wasn't mentioned. 
no time she'd have been dreadfully disappointed if you'd passed your bell well thanks to harrington it won't be passed thanks to harrington i say bell has it occurred to you that she might have put harrington up to this motion of censure what for to save her estate you won't help her why shouldn't she turn to the one man who cares i don't know much about women but i admit it seems rather likely thinking it over yes why shouldn't she so i owe this to my wife grimly and you ask me to go straight to her now i don't say she's done it but you see she turned harrington down and he's not the sort of man to give up i often suspected that harrington's passion swayed him more than he let us see he's still in love with your wife and here's his chance to show her he can serve her and humiliate you he might be working for more than the premiership he may want your wife if she's been at the bottom of it he's welcome to her the talking won't do any good it's no use keeping the debate going any longer is it let's get back to the chamber and take the division as soon as wells has finished his speech might as well get it over it's nearly one o'clock and i'd like a sleep well good-bye bill when we come back to this room again you won't be premier good-bye old chap it's all the luck of the game power and vice go out a knock is heard at the door gregory is surprised he opens the door helen power enters she is in evening dress gregory where's the premier i'm not very sure ma'am who is the premier just now but mr power is engaged in the chamber if you'd wait till after the division the vote hasn't been taken yet not yet ma'am but are you sure you wouldn't know here what's going on in the house i'd know by the division bell ma'am uh, what's a division bell gregory indicating the division bell over the door that ma'am when a vote is being taken the bells ring all over the house to call the members in to record their votes but what does mr power want with one in here for wouldn't he hear the other bells ringing not in this private room ma'am it's soundproof with double doors the cabinet meetings are held here and it wouldn't do for anybody to overhear all the devilry that goes on now would it i see please tell mr power that i'm here his wife yes ma'am gregory goes helen left alone examines the room her attention is specially drawn to the division bell she examines it carefully then comes down oh if there was some way that i could help gregory returns showing in power and retires you i thought you were at wyanora at home when you were fighting for your life you thought that i could stay sitting quietly there with my useless hands in my lap with not even a telegram from you to tell me how the battle was going bill your wife is not that sort of wife but quick tell me what chance have you of winning none he's caught us on the hop with one of my party away ill another away in new zealand 
and the writ for the by-election not returned so that brown can't vote sir harrington's party will just win by one vote only one vote oh it's enough you ought to be satisfied with your work my work what have i done oh if only i could do something surely you've done enough i don't understand how could i let me remind you i was called away down here immediately after my our marriage i don't blame you for being angry at my desertion but that you should seek to revenge yourself in this way and by that man bill what on earth are you talking about i'll be plain enough you're angry because i left you you knew that i was committed to the passing of the bill that would take wire nora from you so you turned to the one man who could prevent that bill passing you think that i got mr harrington to move this vote of censure oh but you can't think that of me that i plotted your defeat and with that man why i hate him that would not prevent you using him would it but what grounds what evidence have you got to show i could do this thing oh you're clever enough to hide your tracks but i haven't seen mr harrington i haven't written to him your very presence here at this hour confirms me you came down to share in harrington's triumph i came down because i was torn with anxiety about about your estate no about my husband because i had hoped that in some way i could help you help me a woman your wife it's too late now either to help or hinder that bell will ring at any moment i suppose you'd like to come into the ladies gallery to see my defeat no i'm too upset too hurt too miserable to see anybody couldn't i wait here very well but you'll come straight back after i hear the bell and tell me the result won't you yes but there can only be one result bill you've made me your wife and i am almost happy because you will see how silly your suspicions are and bill i almost hope for your defeat i knew it because in your downfall perhaps perhaps you'll feel the need of me i shall wait here and if it is not premier who comes back to me it will be somebody i love infinitely better my husband power arrested by her sincerity helen it was vice who put those ideas into my mind convince me gregory enters with a note which he hands to power i am wanted at once in the house wait here he goes out oh to think that he should believe that i and mr harrington suddenly arrested by a new thought mr harrington vernon why shouldn't i try pulling herself together as she sees gregory waiting gregory yes mrs power my husband tells me that the opposition will beat him by just one vote one vote will be enough but isn't there any chance that one vote could be won over from the other side 
Do you think, ma'am, that that hasn't been tried? That's the first lesson of practical politics. But couldn't one of the opposition be prevented from voting? How? I think if I were Premier, I'd strangle him. That's just what Mr. Power would love to do. Especially if it was Mr. Harrington. But it's rather risky, even for a Premier. But there must be other ways. I wish we knew them, ma'am. It would save the country all the expense of elections. Suppose, suppose, there's none of the opposition deaf, are there? No, but why deaf, ma'am? It's a pity. If only one of their side was deaf, he wouldn't hear the division bells ringing, would he? And if he didn't know the vote was being taken, we'd win. But even a deaf man would hear the division bells tonight, with such an important vote coming on. But suppose something went wrong with a bell, and it didn't ring? He'd hear the other bells, ma'am. But if this bell didn't ring? What made you think of that? Why, a couple of years ago, something went wrong with the wire to that bell, and it refused to ring. The Premier missed the division, but it wasn't an important one, and I got a new wire put in the next day. That bell? It might happen again, mightn't it? Hardly likely, ma'am. And if the Premier's bell didn't ring and he was in here, that would mean only an extra vote to the opposition. I wasn't thinking of the Premier, Gregory. Wait a minute. She seats herself at the table and scribbles a note, puts it into an envelope, addresses it, and hands it to Gregory. Please take this to Mr. Harrington at once. Mr. Harrington? Uh-oh. But I'm afraid there's no chance of him attending to it till after the division. I depend on you, Gregory, to make Mr. Harrington read this note before the vote is taken. You must... Mrs. Power, you don't mean to say... There's not a minute to waste. I'll get it to him, ma'am. I'll make him read it. To himself. Women. They'll dare anything. He hastens out. Helen watches him till the door closes, then goes quickly up to the division bell, places a chair beneath it, mounts on it, rapidly strips one of her long gloves from her arm, and stuffs it carefully between the striker and the bell, effectually preventing it from sounding. She jumps down, replaces the chair, contemplates her work with satisfaction, seeing that the glove does not show, smiles, and returns to the table, where she sits in the Premier's chair, impatiently waiting. Harrington enters, with her letter opened in his hand. Vernon, it was good of you to come. Mrs. Mrs. Power, why did you write this? I felt I must see you to make it up. It is too late for that. Well, then, to tell you that I am sorry. What the hell is the good of that? Vernon, won't you forgive me, even after the cruel way I've wronged you, if I say I regret? You bring me here at this hour of the night, when every moment is of importance, to talk? To explain? 
The thing's done. Finished. There's nothing more between us. And I've no time to waste with you here. I've got more important business on hand. So you won't forgive me, Vernon? I came down all this way because I reproached myself with my unkind treatment of you. Oh, well. But I can't bear your leaving me for the last time as you did at Wyanora. Won't you just shake hands? Goodbye. Vernon, hurriedly taking her hand. Oh, yes, I'll say goodbye. Helen, holding it eagerly. Vernon, before you go out of my life forever, I must tell you something. I have made the greatest mistake a woman can make. Ah, so you have found out already. So as a husband... Husband? He's not a husband. He left me the very hour we were married. Well, he has made an honest woman out of you, hasn't he? That is all you wanted. Vernon! Recalled to her purpose. I thought I loved him. I don't. Oh, why? Why didn't you take me from him? Her hand caressingly on his arm. Vernon, it's you. You I love. I've always loved. It's you I love still. I knew it. Is about to draw her to him when he hesitates and looks at her suspiciously. No, you're trying to fool me trying to persuade me to let your husband off. No, fool that I was not to see it. You're trying to keep me here to prevent me recording my vote. How could you think that of me? I know I deserve your suspicions, but, Vernon, how could I keep you here against your will? No, I'd hear the bell. Of course you'd hear the bell. Vernon, you can't know how he treats me. He said things to me just now that made me desperate. He flung me off. He almost struck me. The moment he left, I scribbled that note to you. I mean every word of it. I don't care. I don't care what happens. His wife, after the things he said to me, never. I'd like to show him. He has driven me to it. Vernon, can't you see? Here's your chance to revenge yourself on him. Revenge? I'll have my revenge the minute that bell rings. Isn't his defeat revenge enough? No, there's a greater one. When he returns from the chamber, defeated, perhaps even wanting my sympathy and forgiveness, then, if I can tell him to his face that I've taken my revenge, too... You don't mean the hint you gave in your letter? I mean everything, everything you could read into that letter, everything that I've said. I will tell him that here, in this room of his, I... Ah, yes, that would be good, but let me tell him. I don't care who does, but I know I could hurt him more, his wife. He called me. He was right. Vernon, I know you love me. Love you? By God, yes, Helen. Mine. He crushes her in his arms. But suddenly his old suspicions return. He puts her from him. No, it's a trick. A plot to keep me from voting. No, I'd hear the division bell. 
He takes her again in his arms. Helen, my Helen. Savagely and triumphantly. His wife. Vernon, kiss me. Vernon, about to kiss her, suddenly smiles. Wasn't that the screen he found you behind that night? The dear old screen. Come. He almost carries her behind the screen. After a pause, power comes striding in, triumphant. We've won! Harrington didn't vote! He's disappeared! He pauses as he sees no sign of Helen. Why, she's gone. Must have gone to the ladies' gallery. He turns to go. A slight sound behind the screen arrests his attention. Why? He strides over and flings the screen down. Helen is seen, standing by the window, as if she has just repulsed Vernon, who stands angrily regarding her. Arrington! Here! The vote! The vote can't have been taken! You didn't vote, so it was a tie, and we won by the Speaker's casting vote, and we've adjourned till next week, when we'll have our majority back. But I don't understand. Oh, Mr. Harrington, and I kept you. I'm so sorry. You. But the division bell. I were looking everywhere for you. Nobody thought of looking in here. Mr. Harrington would stay chatting. But the bell. He goes quickly up and looks at the bell. He discovers the glove in it unnoticed by power, and reaching up is about to take it out when he stays his hand. To himself. A trick. A woman's trick. To power, coming down. I must congratulate you. Thanks. It's all the luck of the game. Oh, not on your victory, but on your wife. To Helen, meaningly. I must thank you for the... the pleasant little chat we had behind that screen. It was worth losing the premiership for. Good night. He goes off. Power, puzzled. So he was here all the time. Helen, you kept him here? It was fortunate that I did, wasn't it? You did it on purpose to save me? It wasn't much to do, was it? But the government's victory, and on that resumption of empty estates bill, Means that we must go on with it and pass it, and you'll lose why Nora. My estate? I never thought of that. I was only thinking of you. But I don't understand. How did Harrington come here? I sent him a little invitation. I see. But how did you manage to keep him here when he knew the vote was coming on? <laughs> he must have forgotten all about the nasty vote. Harrington, forget? Why shouldn't he? I was rather nice to him. And I can be, you know. Or rather, you don't know. Yet. Power, whose puzzlement had been growing to suspicion. But Harrington's no fool. He'd hear the division bell. With sudden passion, jealously. Helen, you kept him here, you say, chatting with you, when he knew the importance of this vote? He stayed here, behind that screen, with you, with that division bell, and all it meant to him clanging in his ears? My God, Helen! I told you I had to be rather nice to him. Nice? Yes, you women know how to be nice. 
you in Harrington's arms at the very moment when I thought I had him beaten. Oh, you, you saved me, yes, but the price you paid, you. No, I won't say it. You're my wife, you bear my name. But go. <laughs> Why, Bill, you're jealous. Really and truly jealous. Jealous, yes. Jealous of my wife. My wife? No, jealous of a woman who could hold that man in her arms, who could stop with her kisses the sound of that damned vision bell. There, you are jealous. I do believe, husband, that you're really in love with me. In love with you? God forgive me, yes. Madly in love, and with a woman who is no better than my wife. But I had to flirt the teeniest little bit with him, hadn't I? Flirt? With that bell dinning in his ears? What bell? The division bell over that door. I didn't hear any bell. No, you wouldn't hear it. That bell up there, you say? I really cannot recollect it ringing. Perhaps it didn't ring. It didn't for your lover, nor for you. And I married you. Pah! Breaking down. Helen, why? Why, when I must never see you again? Must I want you so? I knew all along you loved me. So this is goodbye. It must be. Then I'll go. Looking on the floor. Dear me, I've dropped my gloves somewhere. Look behind the screen. Of course. Goes up and looks. Not here. I wonder. Why, I really believe there it is, stuffed in the division bell. In the bell? He goes to the bell, and reaching up, extracts the glove. How? Stupid of me to forget. I put it there myself, before I sent for Mr. Harrington. You see, Bill, I didn't want him to hurry away. It didn't ring. And he didn't know that a vision was being taken. And you? But Harrington said. He said it was worth while. Bill, you don't believe that I stuffed up that bell for my own sake because I wanted him. You can't believe that. No. I knew it. I had to be rather nice with him to lead him on. Of course it was mean of me, but it was for you. But, Bill, it did seem a long time before you came in. Another minute and I would have called for Gregory. Gregory was listening at the door as I came in. He knew then? Of course. He was a fellow conspirator. Holding out the smooth glove. It hasn't crumpled much after all, has it? And you did that for me? Oh, you'll have to buy another pair of gloves. You ought to be able to afford it. You're premier still. Ah, you've made me more than that. You've made me your husband. He embraces her. Curtain. End of Act 3 End of Mrs. Pretty and the Premier by Arthur Adams